We are in a 21-day fast, January 3rd to the 23rd. Today is day four. Seems like 40th. I'm at the point, I'm counting it out on my fingers. I'm like, how long have I been doing this? It's got to be at least 12. One, two. Day five. It's day five now? I just got to... This is the best day ever. It's day five. Well, you, you, I mean, have a little. Have you noticed, those of you who are fasting, and we're not putting pressure on people, so you know, but have you noticed as that you're fasting, you've got to give yourself a little more space? I typed four. You'll misspeak. You're like, why did I walk into this room? Don't worry about it. It'll all take care of itself. Uh, but we're doing a 21-day fast as a church, and we want you to operate your level of faith. So you, you do what you feel comfortable that you're at. You know what I mean? And I'm not... We're not doing a 40-day. If you want to do a 40-day, great, go for it. We're doing a 21-day fast, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., so you can eat in the evenings. Um, I would encourage you, don't get chili chickens at 6.01. That's probably not a good decision. Um, but it's something that we can do, more people can do that corporately. Versus if you say a 40-day water fast, that's going to knock out a lot of people even trying and so this is something we can all do, and it's important. It's, it's dedicating the year to the Lord. It's allowing God to do a work in us. I'm a firm believer, and we'll get into, we have and we'll continue to get into this topic, that it's already provided through the cross. Everything you'll ever need, the Bible says. He's given unto us, given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so we can blame the devil all we want, but I think sometimes there's stuff in our life that we got to remove the restrictions and allow what God has available to us to flow in our lives. Amen? Amen. And uh, that's just not you. That's me. That's all of us. We never outgrow growth. We never outgrow growth. And we challenge everything. And fasting is not an Old Testament. They fasted in the New Testament. Jesus fasted. I figure if Jesus has to fast... Come on, somebody. And so obviously if you're pregnant or nursing um, or you're a child or elderly, you're probably exempt from all this. So I'm not telling you to do that. And I'm not saying if you want to be pregnant, so don't use that as an excuse. <laughs> but we're, we call it a John 10, 10 dynamic life. It, we, want, we want you to have all that God wants you to have. Be all that God wants you to be. Do what God wants you to do. So that when we, and reach those who God wants us to reach. Amen. Not trying to compete and compare with other people, but just the reality when you stand before the Lord. We want to, I want for all of you to be able to say, I have fought a good fight. Yes. Come on, somebody. I have finished my race. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so well, that's going on. 6 a.m., 6 p.m., we have prayer. Obviously, this is prayer and fasting because if you don't spend time prayer in the Word, you're on a long-term diet, and the spiritual context is when you pull away and weaken the flesh and say, okay, I'm going to take that time and spend time in the Word and prayer and to consecrate this year to the Lord. And so we're opening up more times. You'll see on our notes, you'll see on our Instagram uh, or Facebook or YouTube, different times where we're bringing in corporate prayer or online prayer. You'll see that going on. Uh, we have prayer, corporate prayer going on at different days during the week. Uh, Wednesday's the biggest emphasis, and so there's one at 11, there's one at 12 to 2, there's one at, at 5, 37, 30, different people leading those. I'm excited just to see all that God's wanting to do. Because our theme is, He is the God of the impossible. Yes. And that's what we're corporately praying for each other and for the church corporately, that we're believing for the impossible, not the low-hanging fruit of, I have the sniff, sniffles, can you pray that Jesus deals with that? No, but we're believing for impossible scenarios to be changed by the power of God. I want to see, and we love the medical field. We have doctors and nurses in the house. But I want to see them, the doctor scratch their head and say, I, I can't explain this away. All I can say is that's a miracle. I want, to say, I, want, I want your accountant, if you have one, saying, I can't explain what's going on. This is a miracle. I want your family and neighbors say, I don't know how this is happening for you, but this is a miracle. Amen? Say, this is a miracle. See, that's what an impossible thing is. It's a miracle. But sometimes when we get hit by the blows of life, we, all, the, all the religious training goes out the window. And I want you, when the devil says, that's impossible. I want you to say, good, because I serve the God of the... 
impossible. Everything he does is impossible. He doesn't work with what's probable. He takes what is impossible and does the impossible with it. Water to wine, split the Red Sea, virgin birth, resurrection, raise the dead, Lazarus come forth. All of these are stories of the impossible. Lion's den, fire and furnace. All these are stories of the impossible. We serve the God. And sometimes we can be in church so long we forget that. Come on. Some of us, we've been around church, around the Bible, and we know the stories mentally, but we forget the essence of what's being said and taught, that the God we serve has said it himself, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, people can talk that away, oh, that's back in the day, that doesn't happen, and for them it won't, because Mark 11, 23, 24 says that what you believe, what you're saying in alignment with it, you believe, that's what you get. It's like the one guy coming up to him and said, you know, I've tried that stuff. It'll, it does not work. And the preacher said, yes, it does. It, it, it's working for you. He says, no, it's not. Why do you say that? He says, because you believe it won't work. And you say it won't work. And you have. what? Okay. So a lot of that. Uh, something new we're doing this particular prayer and fasting time is we have uh, additional resources. And so they're going to throw on the screen uh, we have a daily text system that's going out, a daily verse and a little a devotional. Every day it's free. If you like that, you can text or scan that QR code or text the word FAST. See, I'm telling you, you should be photo up there. Text the word FAST to 314-549-5500. Also, we have uh, daily video devotionals that are on our Facebook and YouTube. And so, and small groups are doing some of the different books that we have got resources to help you through this fast. Amen. Amen. Say, he is the God of the impossible. Say, I serve the God of the impossible. Now, we like to say it now like this. He is the God of the impossible. Say this way. Say, he is the God of the impossible. And he's doing the impossible for me today. Look to your neighbor and say, he's the God of the impossible. And he is doing the impossible for you today. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In 2000, while I was in uh, praying, the Spirit of God began to reveal this phrasing to me. And the Lord has done this in my life different times. And I'm very cautious because, you know, when you talk about encounters with God, some people can get weird with it, and some people think it happens all the time, and they get a little weird. And so we're not weird. We're real. Amen? Amen. But we're also open for God to speak to us or direct us and guide us and show us in any way, any time. Amen. And so in 2000, I was praying, and the Lord began to, he just spoke this, just kind of like a download in my spirit. And here's the phrase that he gave me. It's a catch a vision that inspires you to act. Implement a process that enables you to act. And yield to the spirit who propels you to act. And he spoke clearly saying, this is a key. And I'm, as, I'm, as years have gone by, I'm learning it more and more. You know, the, the word of God and the revelation truths from God's word don't stay just at the surface. There's so much depth. And that's why you just don't read a scripture and say, I've read it or I've memorized it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. There's levels, there's levels, there's levels, there's levels. Some of us get comfortable with a level of understanding of the Word of God, and we're fine there, and you can be fine there. But I think there's others of us who say, I know there's more in store. There's more in this passage. There's more in this text. There's more in that verse. And the Spirit of God will continue to reveal deeper things to us. And so even with this context and... Uh, as years have gone by, I'm noticing more and more truth to this phrasing because I really have come to the place of believing that this is a key for people's lives, all of our lives. If As we're moving to the next level of destiny, as we're moving to a next season, as we're praying for something that God has promised to us, I believe within the context of that phrasing, there's something that it, it needs to be tweaked. And if you're, if you're nervous about the Spirit of God tweaking and realigning you in different areas, you'll never make it to where God wants you to be. Jesus said the meek inherit the earth. The meek. The meek doesn't mean you're passive or that you're, that you're weak or you're quiet. Meek means you're open to learn. 
And when you come to the place of, I'm never going to realign, I'm never going to adjust, I'm just going to pray God to fix it all. No, God will he'll direct you. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. The entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple Psalms 119. David said, my path is that you have kind of directed me. Your word is a lamp into my, and a light into my to path. So God's word will guide and direct our decisions in life. You can be on Highway 270 or Highway 70, and, and you plan on going west, but you're going east, and you can pray and fast all you want. But when God says, I want you to get off and go to the other way, you can say, no, Lord, I'm going to keep doing what I've always been doing, but I want you to fix it. That's not how it works. God will show you what you need to do. He'll direct our path. Amen. And repentance is not a bad thing. I know some churches now are teaching that you don't have to repent, that God doesn't want you to repent. They just need to read the Bible. Revelation is very specific that Jesus is talking to the last day churches and telling them to repent on things. Uh, you are doing this great, but this area you need to repent. Not that they were bad, but they needed to be brought into alignment. We did a whole series on getting into the alignment of God's assignment for your life. Why? Because we're all growing. What you do well doesn't mean that you can't improve or what areas that don't aren't working well, God can say, here, if you do this a little bit different, you'll see a different result. I don't know about you, but if someone came to me and said, if you do this just a little bit different, it's going to increase your results by tenfold. Most of us say, tell me the secret. We, we buy books. We watch infomercials. What are we doing? We're trying to hear what they've learned to help us go faster and farther. All right? and, but the Holy Spirit through the Word of God can guide and direct us and get us alignment because you can't copy everybody. It might be a great idea for them where they're at, but it might not be your idea for where you're at. Do you see my point? I mean, if, you're, if one person's in Orlando and one person is in L.A. and they're both trying to get to St. Louis, they should not follow the same directions. Right? Because where they're at and where they're going. And so... In the journey of life, there's too, it's too easy in the church world to copy people. I'm going to do what they're doing. I had some pastors talk to another minister. They were saying, we're doing everything you're doing. Well, you can do what something everybody, that person's doing, but you're not going to get the results because it's a matter of you obeying God. If God didn't tell you to do it, well, Pastor Greg, God is not a respecter of persons. He's not. But does not mean that you should follow every direction? Because he asked Peter to step out of the boat. That was an invitation for Peter in the moment. Now, God's not a respecter of persons. And if you believe that if somebody does it, you should copy them just because they've done it and they have a success to it, then you need to get a boat, go to the Lake of the Ozarks, get out there in the middle of the water. Just make sure you know how to swim. Because God's not a respecter of persons, but he, he's not a respecter in that he will lead us each the same way. He told the disciples, follow me and I will make you. Fishers, men. But follow me and I'll make you. As we follow the Spirit of God, as we follow the Word of God, he'll direct and guide us, Romans 8, 29, into the image, the character, the nature of Jesus. And so it's not a matter of trying to copy people. Amen. It's, it's a matter of trusting God and obeying God. And so this first area that I believe that we can, this, and this part alone can be covered in different facets, but I want to talk about the vision from God. Catch a vision. What is a vision? How you see something. How you see something. I think one of our prayers could be, Lord, let me see as heaven sees. Let me have the perspective of what you see, Father God. I don't want the perspective of just the way I see it. Have you ever been around somebody who was frantic and they were all upset and you're like, what's the matter? And I begin to tell you and you're like, it's okay, calm down. It's going to be okay. You see it from a different perspective. They see it from another. They're panicking, you're not, and you can bring them into the place of peace or they can bring you into the place of panic. All by, based on perspective. I want to see situations not the way my emotions are telling me to see it, not as the enemy is whispering in my ear to see it. I want to see it as heaven sees it. Amen. Do you agree with me? How many people say, Lord, I want to see the way you see? Yes. Jesus talked about people having 
eyes but cannot see and ears that they cannot hear and hearts that they cannot receive. Lest they turn to him and he would heal them. So there's a connection, and challenge everything I say with the Word of God. There is a connection on your ability to perceive the way God wants you to see it. Because we receive by faith, Hebrews 6, 12 and Hebrews eleven thirty three. We inherit, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. So we receive everything by faith, even salvation is by grace through faith. Well, pastor, doesn't Hebrews 11, 1 say the faith is the substance of, th- of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? It does, but you have to understand the bigger picture. It's saying not seen in, from the natural eye. The reason I say that, because if you keep reading Hebrews 11, you'll find that it says these men and women of God who walk by faith, that they didn't receive all that they're believing for, yet they had seen in them afar off, which means they had gotten a vision of what God was doing, and they were walking out the process. Now, some processes are short. Some things will be immediate. Some things might take days. But you, can, you have to understand that the God we serve is a big God, and he has big plans. And when the bigger the plan, sometimes it's just not a one-year journey. Sometimes it's a generational journey. Do you realize the early church, they would, they would raise money for buildings that they wouldn't build for 100 years? Can you imagine taking a, a, how long has your capital campaign been going on? 89 years now. Don't you think you should put up a wall by now? People would sacrificially give to something that they knew that they would in the natural never see. We want everything quick. We want everything fast. I get frustrated as some fast food restaurants when I, see, I'm fasting so I can talk about food. When I go through and they tell me to pull over and wait, how many people know what I'm talking about? And I won't even mention the names of some of them where they, they're so bad that they literally have now have eight signs for eight spots. And when you pull in, you know you're going to be waiting. It's not like that at Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. They got it down to 90 seconds and you are out of there. Now, I can say that because that's not going to tempt you to go get Chick-fil-A because they're... (laughs) Pastor's been around for a while. (laughs) Catch the vision. How would you like to see the way God sees your marriage? Now hear me. Religion has taught us when God... If you saw the way God saw you, that you would see the negativity. I tell you that when God looks at you, he sees the completion. He looked at Abraham when he was still Abram and said, I see you as a father of a multitude. And Abram says, I don't get it. In fact, in Genesis, check it out. Genesis, God shows up in Abram's tent and says, I am your your exceeding great reward. And Abram responds and says, what is that to me? Seeing I go childless. And everything I have will go to my servant's children. And God didn't punish him. God didn't say, you're a bad person. God, said you've, God didn't say, you've messed up now. God said, let me bring you to a different place. He brought him out of the tent. I love that because what God was doing is saying, you are looking from the perspective of your ability. Let me invite you to my ability. Let me invite you to what I have built. And he brought him out into a place. He brought him where? He brought him out of the tent. And he said, now don't look up and see the tent that you've built. Look up and see the skies that I have built. Look at the stars that I have built. See, that's what I can do. And God invites us into the world of impossibility, not based on your ability, not based on your fragmented mistakes. But he'll say, don't you want to see how your life can be? Don't you want to see how I see your marriage? Don't you want to see from the vision of how your health can be? Don't you want to see the way I see your finances? Don't you want to see how I see your career or your ministry? Yeah, God, I want to see. And he invites us into a place not based on our ability, but based on his ability. And he says, begin, Abram, look up. Now count the stars. Count the stars. Now I don't know how long Abram, who later became Abraham, counted. You know I mean, would you look at it at a glance and say, oh Lord, you know I can't count those. Or maybe he tried to count them and said, okay, one, two, three, four, five. And finally came to a place of, I can't do this anymore. And God says, I know you can't. That's, I want, I want, that's what I want you to recognize, is I want to show you what I can do that you can't even measure. It's one thing to say, I'm going to do what God can do. You can't do that. But God said, I'm going to show you what I want to do in your life that I can do that you can't even measure. 
He said, you're going to have so many children that you can't even count. Lord, I want to see the way you are seeing the situation. I want to see the way heaven sees. I want to see my own life the way you want me to see it. Life will tell us we're no good. Life will tell, the devil will tell us we don't deserve it. Labels, shame from the sins of our past, whatever it might be, will hinder you because of the way we see ourselves. But if we begin to even see ourselves the way God sees us, See the situation the way God sees us. I'm reminded of a verse in the Bible, and it was about Elijah. Uh, let me give you the reference. I actually have it down here. I'm jumping around. First, Second Kings, Second Kings, chapter six, and the prophet of God was being attacked by the, an army, and they were trying to kill him. And they, he was like just hanging out. This is Greg Bruce translation, 2 Kings chapter 6. And the servant was starting to panic. The Bible actually in the text says that the, the army surrounded the city. Now, I don't know how big the city was, but I'll tell you, even if it's a small city, that's a lot of people. It surrounded the city. So there had to be a lot of buzz. Had to be a lot of energy going on, negative energy. Have you ever noticed when the devil attacks... He brings that negative stuff with it. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, in the armor of God, when we're going to have victory over the enemy in the battles, that one of the things we're supposed to do is lift up the shield of faith. And it says so that we can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. What you have to realize, I think we all have in, in our own experiences, that when the devil attacks, there's two parts to it. One part is the hit, the blow. The, the dart hitting the shield or hitting you, that's the blow. But what really starts doing more damage is the fire. Because the fire consumes. You know what the fire is? That's that worry. That's that anxiety. That's that panic. That's the mind going every different direction. So you have the blow and you have the fire. That's why faith can stop it and quench it. And so if you have an army after you and they have surrounded the city, there's going to be a lot of negative buzz. Can't you imagine people walking by and saying, what are they about? Oh, they're trying to get the prophet. Have you heard to the servant? Have you heard they're after your master? There are so many people out there. How are you guys going to get away? How are you going to sneak out? of? How, what's God going to do now? There is no way. You are dead. You are messed up. Do you know what's going to happen? If he listened to that, he's going to do what most people would do. He's going to start panicking. And he went to the prophet and said, what are we going to do? There's an army that surrounded the city. Why aren't you nervous? Look to your neighbor and say, why aren't you nervous? Come on, look to your neighbor and say, why aren't you nervous? I see the peace of God in your life, and I know that there are storms trying to hit you. Why aren't you freaking out about this one? And the prophet prayed. Many of us knew, know this verse. And the prophet prayed and said, Lord, open his, the eyes of my servant. And the Bible says when that happened, when he prayed that prayer, what did the servant do? He looked again. And when he looked again, this time he saw an army of fire angels surrounding him. More than the other enemy. Catch this. And if you look at the text, surrounding the prophet. Surrounding the prophet. So the man of God, God knew exactly where he was and surrounded him. The enemy only could surround the city. Come on, somebody. What does that mean? Here's my point. He prayed, God, basically a different Greg Bruce translation, Lord, open his eyes to let him see what's already there. Come on, come on. Let him see what's been there, but he didn't recognize, to recognize or see it for himself. Because the angels were there before the servant asked. The angels were there before the prophet prayed. The angels were there before the servant could see it. What did he need? He needed a perspective, a vision change. He needed his eyes to be open so he could see what God was already doing for the behalf of them that he did not feel in the natural, that he did not see. He did not see in the natural, and he needed a perspective change. Look to your neighbor and say, you might need a perspective change. When all you see is gloom, when all you see is uh, uh, busted and disgusted, when all you see is failure, you need 
perspective change. I'm not saying we don't, by faith, recognize the enemy, but we also recognize the destiny. Come on, somebody. We recognize the God that we serve. We recognize the power of our God. We recognize that we serve the impossible God who's doing the impossible. And though you might not know how it's going to happen, God has a way. And God did something impossible that day. He walked out and said, come on, go with me. Now that you see the situation differently, walk with me. Where are we walking? We're going right to him. He said, Lord, blind the, blind the eyes of the enemy. And they walked and said, well, who are you looking for? We're looking for the prophet. Oh, follow me. I'll take you to him. And they followed the prophet to their captors. Help me, Jesus. Say, let me see, Jesus. I don't know if you're dealing with a problem, but if you are, instead of just focusing on the problem, let's look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's look to the Word of God and begin to say, Lord, I need vision to see the way you see this situation. I know you know I'm here. You knew I was going to be here before I knew I was going to be here. God sees the end equally as it does the beginning, the Bible says. So before it ever happened, before you knew it was going to happen, God saw it. He made a way of victory for you. Are you listening to me? He made a way for victory for your life. So when you hit a wall, you don't need to freak out. You say, okay, God, you were here before me. The Bible, David said, you walk before me and you follow behind me and your hand of blessing is upon my head. That means before you got there, he was there. He is all sufficient, but he is always everywhere. He is not limited by time and space, and he sees everything. That's why Jehovah Jireh means the God who provides, but it literally means the God who saw your need before there was a need and backed up on the cross of Calvary and made a way. He has made provision for every need you would ever come in contact with. So instead of saying, God, I've got a new one, God said, there's nothing new to me because the, before the devil thought of it, before he created created a weapon. He, God said through his word, through a prophet of God, no weapons, no weapon, not any past weapon, not any current weapon, but any weapon that could ever be thought of. When the devil comes up with a new weapon or a new idea or a new trap, before the devil even thought, thought of it and saw it, God saw it and said, before you thought of it, I created a solution. Are you with me today? I'm telling you, the solution is always found in Jesus. He is, when he hung at the cross, he took all the sin, sicknesses, and the pain and problem. And he is your solution. He is the word. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And verse 14, and the word became flesh. What am I telling you? Look unto Jesus. Set your affection and focus on things above. Look to that which is eternal and not temporal. Get in and say, God, I need to see it the way you want me to see it. I know you were here before for me and you are the way maker you are the way maker you are the way maker I don't need to build a bridge I need to walk on the bridge that you've built I don't need to split the Red Sea I need to walk on the dry path that you created in the midst of an impossible sea I can't do it I can't make it I don't need to try to work it out I, I can't even count what you're about to do because you are so good you are so strong you are the God he is the God of the impossible and I speak prophetically that he is doing the impossible for you today if you believe that give him a praise the next 30 seconds hallelujah hallelujah he is the God he is the God of the impossible he is the God of the impossible don't let the devil try to talk you into figuring out how it's not your job to figure out how. Your job is to obey what he shows you to do. We, don't try to copy somebody else's how. When you don't know how, focus on the who. And even if you come up with a few hows, focus on the who. Your steps are ordered of the Lord. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and a voice of a stranger. They will not follow. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. That means it's not a suggestion. It must come from a place of command. It must come from a place of command. 
And if you don't appreciate the value of the word, then you don't understand the power of the word. But when you understand that they have a value of the word and you see the word that is a final authority, then you'll recognize when God, by the spirit of God, reveals the word that he's given you the power of the word. And when he gives you a revelation, it's not a suggestion as has become into America Christianity. Oh, you just think about it. No, I'm not saying if someone tells you, but when the spirit of God gives you a word and makes it alive, it's a command. You you need to be like the centurion soldier that wasn't even in the covenant of the Jews. And he came to Jesus and said, I need you. I need you, my servant. And Jesus said, I'll come. And he said, you don't even have to come. Just speak the word only. Because I'm a man under authority. And I'm a man over authority. And I say to one, come and he comes. And I say to another, go and he goes. Just speak the word and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus said, "You, I have not seen such great faith not even in Israel why because the person understood the power of rank the power of authority and the power of a command do you hear me when you understand that God has elevated Jesus high above all names Ephesians 1 that's a part of Ephesians prayer that I pray that God will give you the spirit the anointing of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you might know the hope of his calling that you might know the riches of his inheritance in the saints that you might know the exceeding greatness 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 emphasis done on purpose greatness of his power which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him high far above all set him at his right hand far above all principality and power and might and dominion and name not only in this world but in the world to come i'm telling you he elevated jesus so far above that you can't even see the enemy It was not only by position of rank and authority, but even from dimension to dimension. There's not a past, present, or future. Anybody that can be a higher jurisdiction, a higher rank than Jesus. Can I get an amen? When God forbid if a police officer pulls you over for speeding on the highway, one of the things you can do is look at the side of his car and make sure that he's in the right jurisdiction. Right? Because if, if you're in St. Charles and his car says said you be, be polite, but he has no authority. There's only one person that rides above all jurisdiction that has right and authority in every situation. I'm telling you, the devil will tell you God's word won't work in your life. You ought to let him know that that name is above every name. That that name has a jurisdiction into every scenario, every situation, every problem. Are you listening to me today? He said, speak the word. From a man under authority and over authority. And I know when one goes, I tell him to go and he goes. And when I tell him to come, he comes. What is he saying? There's authority in my command that what I receive, I loose and release it. And it makes the people under me do what I ask them to do. When you understand that this is more than just people because Isaiah 55, 11, and let's back up verse 10, says, as heaven, excuse me, as rain and snow come down from heaven and waters the earth. I love the next phrase in the King James. Sometimes in whatever translation, you got to look at a few of them sometimes. It, it rain and snow comes from heaven and waters the earth. It says waters the earth. So heaven's doing something into the realm of the natural. But then it goes on to say, look it up, Isaiah 55, verse 10. It waters the earth and makes. Let me talk to somebody over here. And makes it produce. It makes it. It doesn't invite it. It doesn't ask it. It takes the natural and say, you are under the authority of the supernatural. The realm of God is greater. And I am going to make you do it makes it produce. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish that to which I sent it. What does it say? The word of God is the final authority. 
The word of God is the final. You're like, God, I, I don't see this. I'm feeling some bad stuff. My body's reacting, my mind, my emotions. I can't sleep at night. Oh, God, what do I need to do? You need to say, Lord, open my eyes. Father, by the anointing, by the anointing, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, open my eyes. Anoint me. Get into praise and worship. Get into the word. Get into prayer. Say, anoint. Lord, I need to see things differently. I need to see this differently. I don't need to see it like the servant used to see it. I need to see it as you open his eyes because there is a place in God that you cannot see without God. You might be a great critic in the church world. You might think your ministry is to watch other churches and point out what they do wrong. But I'm telling you, there is a place in God that you cannot see what God is doing without God. You can live in this world, and you can be of this world, and you can succeed in this world. But you will never see what God is doing without God. Israel knew his acts. Moses knew his ways. Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let us run with endurance. Run. God wants you to run. God wants you to do something. Faith without works is dead. But some of us are running somebody else's race. And you get to the finish line and your hands are raised and you're like, where's my trophy? And they look at you and say, who are you? Because we're running a race that God maybe didn't ask you to run. Jesus said, in those last days, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we enlist some very cool stuff? Didn't we prophesy and heal the sick and do all this? And Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And that used to bother me. Lord, these are good things. These are what we believe in. Mark 16, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We believe in all this stuff. Lord, what do you mean, workers of iniquity? Well, when you get to the original text, when you go to the Greek, you'll find out he literally said it this way. You who did unauthorized works. You who just did what you wanted. Tacked Jesus on it and made yourself feel like, oh, you got it covered. But I'm telling you, we're living in a time frame. We're living in a season. We're living in a day that it might get darker outside, but it's going to get brighter inside the house of God and the people of God. You are the light. Shout out the light. And we, we cannot live the way we used to live or they used to live in the church world 50, 100, 200 years ago. It's not, oh, I'm just going to be a good person. No, we have to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. They don't deal with the demons that you're dealing with today. You can't be a casual Christian and think you're going to be successful in the things of God. Well, I don't, you know, those, I know some people that got radical and they got weird. No, they were weird before Jesus. Don't blame Jesus for weirdness. That's why I'm not into religion. I define religion as man's rules that get to God. No, no, I'm not into people controlling you or people to get you to act weird or be weird. No, I want you, God made you with your design and your thumb, your thumbprint and with your style. You don't need to be different. God wants you to be you, but he wants to be big in and through you. Amen. We can't live casually. But we need to run the race that God shows us. Because when he shows you, now we know what to do. Let me read the Ephesians 1 out of the text, King James, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him, where does the revelation come? It's the anointing of God that comes out of the knowledge of God. Why do I read the Bible? You read the Bible to feed your spirit, but you read the Bible also for the Holy Spirit to re- make it alive and give you an understanding, give your perspective change. Well, I'm waiting for God to open my eyes. How much time you spend in the Word? Well, then you're not serious about it. And I'm not here to condemn you because I'm not telling you how much I pray or how much I read. That's irrelevant to you. I've had ministers, as I grew up in the house of God, would say, oh, I do so much, and I remember trying to do it. I remember trying to get up at 4.30 in the morning and spending a couple hours in prayer, and I'd find myself falling asleep and feeling guilty and condemned and think, I don't think I can do this. It's because I was running their race, not mine. It's in the knowledge of that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know. Say, God wants me to know something. He reveals it, and when he, are you listening? When, it, when he reveals it, he gives you not only the vision, he gives you the ability, he gives you the desire. Amen. 
Don't let the devil, I remember growing up as a kid thinking, oh, if you, if you give the Lord your whole heart, if you say, Jesus, whatever you want to do with my life, it's yours. I, I consecrate my life to you, whatever you want to do. And people say, be careful. He might send you to a country that, you know, I mean, that's really horrible. And that's a misunderstanding. Because when he gives you a direction, he gives you the desire. God won't say, I, I want you to go to this country. I've never heard of it. I know you're going to have a horrible time, and I'm looking forward to this. Don't work that way. Psalms 37, verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. A lot of times that's taught and interpreted that if you delight yourself with God, as many of, many of you, if not all of you, just in the way you approach God, your worship, your prayer, your serving God, you're in the house of God. I'm talking to the choir today. I know that. But I know there's people also watching. But it's been taught over the years that if you, if you delight yourself in God, that he'll give you whatever you're wanting. And I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have stuff. Listen, God doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. But actually what that verse is saying, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will place his desires in your heart. But don't take my word for it. Let me prove it. We challenge it. Challenge everything with the word of God. The next verse says, notice, commit your way or your actions unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. What's it? The desire. So he will deposit in you that desire that came from direction or revelation, that came from you being an knowledge and your eyes being open. And he'll say, here's what I want you to do. Now, when you get that direction, we just need to commit. Say, okay, I'm going to run that race that's set before me. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to, Paul says, run as to win it. I'm going to commit my way to the Lord. I'm going to trust him, and I know he's going to bring it to pass. Say, he's going to bring it to pass. That's exciting. Because when you begin to see that his, the way he sees your marriage and what's possible is so much greater than what you can see it. The way you see your energy and health is so much greater than the way he sees it than what you've seen it. The way you see your bank account, the way he sees it is so much greater than what you've seen it. God's not holding it back. It's all there provided. We have to follow his process of what he wants us to do by faith to receive inherit it. And part of that is getting a vision that God wants you blessed or God wants you. Someone says, I don't believe in prosperity. The, the Bible is nothing but full from beginning to end. If you obey me, I'm going to bless you. Yeah. Psalms 1, everything you put your hands to shall prosper. Yeah. What has happened in the church world is people have defined prosperity as greed and covetousness in the Bible phrasing. But being prosperous means being successful. Anybody who says they don't believe in prosperity by the Bible, so then when the, when the boss invites you and says, you've done a great job this year and we're doing your review and we want to give you a 10% raise, you ought to look at them and say, get behind me, devil. <laughs> no, you get excited, don't you? Prosperity doesn't mean you have to drive three Bentleys. That's the world's mindset. And God doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. Prosperity is having the ability. You financially have the ability to not only meet your needs and your family, but to do what God's called you to do, but help other people. Well, pastor, I only need $40,000 a year. I don't need much money. 40000 is all I need. Well, believe for $100,000. let us take the $60,000. let us go to the Philippines and build some really cool churches and feed a lot of people. Because what happens in the, in the anti-prosperity is they, the mindset, and again, has, have people taken things wrong? Absolutely. Any truth goes like a pendulum and swings. Stay in the middle of the road. Can anybody take a truth and go to the error of it on either side? Absolutely. 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 But instead of, it's not everything comes in your hands belongs for you to be consumed. That's where greed comes from. That's where the people have a problem with because they live from the perspective that everything that comes to them is for them. But the bigger picture is you start saying everything that comes to me still belongs to God. What do you want me to do with it? Well, I don't want to do that because God won't let me buy a new car. You'll be surprised what God wants you to have. 
Now, if you say that and don't have faith for it, you go out and put yourself under debt for a Bentley, and you come back to pastor and saying, I tried it, now I got X amount of thousands of dollars a month, and I don't have a job. Listen, I didn't tell you to do that. I don't, I don't even know you. Your membership has just been dropped from Hope Church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hebrews eleven six, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that, he, that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So even those of you who are fasting, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. There is a reward that impacts any and every area of your life. When you came to church today, there is a reward. Well, I don't think we should do things looking for a reward. This is what pleases God. Oh, God gets honor out of my suffering. Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 17, 16. And this is what gives glory to your Father, that you produce much fruit. Hmm. Challenge everything with the Word of God. Challenge everything with the Word of God. Because He is a rewarder. He's the God of the impossible. He is the God of the impossible. Stand to your feet with, with me if you would. We're going to do something a little different. And I encourage you, spend time, it's 21 days, spend time praying like you typically don't pray. Do more than you do in your routine. Oh, I don't pray. Well, at least pray 15 minutes a day. I don't know. Find something. Oh, I pray 15 minutes. Do 30 minutes. Do an hour. Do two hours. Whatever. Do more. Spend more time. This past Wednesday in our corporate prayer in the chapel, and we're leaving the chapel again open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Thursday. For You can come in any time to seek God. It's, it's on worship's plane. But we also have... Uh, prayer times where people can come and also pray with that's established as a corporate prayer. You can check our website or calendar for that for those times. But during this time, we were seeking God. And Acts 13 says that they were fasting and praying, and the Spirit of God said, and there was a direction. They found direction assignment. And in that time, we were praying, and I was in there just seeking God, I felt the Spirit of God tell me to begin to read some verses. It was uh, something I had just gone online just out of curiosity, and I, and I had did a Google search and said, give me all verses that referencing the God of the impossible. And then I screenshot them. I didn't even read them. I had them stored in my phone. And so in that time, I just felt the Spirit of God say, get up, stand behind that, the, the pulpit. I don't know why, and there's probably more spiritual reasons that I'm aware of, obviously. Stand behind the pulpit and begin to read those verses. And as I begin to read them, one verse just came alive. Freedom was in that room. There's a group of us in there. And it's like the power of God. I don't know if it hit anybody else. You know, you don't know what's happening to other people, but when you're in, when the Lord's touching you, it's like, even if it's just a party of one, it's, it's still a good party. Amen. But it usually, when it's the work of God, it encompasses more people. And this verse came alive to me, and I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to tell you how prophetically it affects us. Psalms 111. And I love it when the Lord gives me verses I've never heard read before. Or if I read them, I don't remember. You, know, you, you get to where you think, you've, oh, I've preached enough or read the Bible enough or been doing this enough. I'm, I should be somewhat familiar. And then he'll bring out a verse that you need that you've never heard of. I think that's just the humor of God saying, here, here you go. <laughs> There's always room for growth. Can I get an amen? amen? Psalms 111 verse 4 and verse 6, New Living, says, he causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. And that first part, as I begin to read, the Lord just starts stirring in me. Father, I thank you that what you're doing at Hope Church in this time and this day, it will be remembered. Yes. Are you listening to me? Let's start coming out of my spirit. What, the, your mighty works will be remembered. Your mighty works will be remembered. 
I don't think we're here by chance. I don't think you're here today by chance. I don't think we're in this timeline by chance. I think God is getting ready to do something that I has not seen, ears not heard, neither since the heart of man. But he's revealed these things to us by his spirit. I believe we're in a season. We're going to see God by his power do stuff that no one's going to get credit for. It won't be, hey, I did these three things and this is what happened. But God's getting ready to display and show his power, his mighty works, and it will be remembered. Say, it's going to be remembered. God, in his divine timing and planning, he'll do stuff in different periods of time. And we think, well, we'll just copy the, the model and get the results. It don't always happen that way. But just like the disciples and the people of Jesus' day, if their eyes weren't open, they could be standing right next to the Son of God, the Messiah. Some saw it, some did not. Some went through it, and it was just a routine day, a routine year. Some, their lives were changed forever and went leaping and jumping and praising God and experienced God in a special way. He causes us to remember His wonderful works. Verse 6, he has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. Come on, somebody. We're believing for this property in Jesus' name. Yeah. He is the God of the impossible. I haven't reference this but you don't know this there's unless somehow someone just told but most people don't know this do you remember a few years ago when we got a letter from the owners back in the day and they said you had 30 days to get out and we stood and prayed and then they sent us a letter saying forget it we changed our mind kind of deal well a lot of people don't know a year ago last october we got another letter from a new owner saying you have 30 days to get out that's been 14 months ago. But that battle's still going on. So for 14 months, we've been preaching and speaking and praying and prophesying, knowing God's got it. But you still deal with the, the flames, the fight. You still deal with attorneys and going to court and, and all this stuff and them trying to say this and we're, we're taking this position. And it, it, it's so evil that even when we call and say, hey, we'll, we'll buy this space. We don't want you to hear. You have nobody else in the building. You know what? All that started? Some of you, when the paint, the building started getting painted, remember that? Yeah. Oh, pastor, you painted the building? That's, but they're like, we don't want a church here. Well, how about uh, we'll renegotiate lease? We'll buy it. We'll buy our space. We don't want you here. There's nobody else in the building. They gave us 30 days to get out, and we tried to contact them. They refused to take my phone calls for two weeks. Till I literally was calling them every five minutes to annoy the snot out of them. And then when they answered, I said, I'm calling in regards to this letter that you sent me two weeks ago saying we have 30 days to get out. And they laughed and said, yeah, we didn't think you'd be able to get out in 30 days. Let the enemy laugh. Because who's going to laugh last is last and laughs and laughs. I don't, I don't know why I'm telling you this because it was not in my plans. But you have to understand, Jesus said trials, you know, I mean, fights come to anybody. Stand your ground. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Don't be moved by what you feel, hear, or see, but moved by the word of God. And so we were like, no, we rebuke anything happening. This place is still vacant. They can't get, they had to celebrate in a paper when they got one tenant with 28,000 square feet renting. Now, if you think that sounds like a big deal, the building's 1,500,000 square feet. It's like they just rented the, the, the bathroom of a condo out. But we're standing believing 
that our God is the God of the impossible. Will you agree with me on that? And the Lord dropped in my heart. And maybe the reason, because my plan was, I didn't want the sheep. I didn't want you to have to deal with the pressure of it, think about it, talk about it, even know about it. Because you don't come to church hearing what fights the church is going through. You deal with your own fights, and we're here to stand and fight with you. Do you understand that? And that doesn't change. Again, 99% of you didn't know anything was going on for the last 14 months. All right. But maybe the key here, the Lord just dropped in my heart, is now we have a specific word from the Lord to stand on together. Because the emphasis, I refuse to give the devil attention. I refuse to make him the center of the conversation. We want to keep Jesus the center of the conversation. And if someone says, hey, is that true? You don't need to talk about the negativity. Go to the scripture. No, this is what the Bible says. He's going to give us this land. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the land. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the land. His work shall be rewarded. And here's what came out of my spirit. And I, I wrote it down and I, I texted it so I can have access to it. And I began to prophesy in that room and I said, he is the God of the impossible. And I heard the spirit of God say, this is the season. This is the day. Say, this is the season. Folks, this is just not for me or just for the corporate. This is for all of us. If you're a part of Hope Church. Are you listening? This is good. Say, this is the season. Say, this is the day. We're not going to be saying one day, someday. No, this is the day the Lord has made. So here's what came out of my spirit. He is the God of the impossible. This is the season. This is the day. And catch this. Are you listening? This is the season. This is the day. And what he does for us will be remembered forever. It, hang on, hang on. What he, has do, what he does for us will be remembered forever, igniting praise in the hearts of his people and fear in the hearts of his enemies. If you agree with that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We serve the God of the impossible. We serve the God of the impossible during the impossible for you today in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give him a better praise. Don't let that doctor's report get the attention. Give it to Jesus. Don't let that bankruptcy get the attention. Give, give praise to Jesus. That he is the God of the impossible. And he's doing the impossible for you today. In Jesus' name. And everyone shouted. Amen. Amen. Stay standing. Stay standing. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I don't want to miss this opportunity. Don't go into this year and establish it without knowing him. This is the real deal. Salvation is one of the greatest miracles. It's not joining a club, a church, or trying to be a better person. It's coming as you are, knowing that he will, he will come into your life, forgive you of your sins, wash you, make you clean, white as snow, get, making you a new creation, the Bible says. You don't have to live with that shame. You don't have to live with that guilt, that condemnation. You don't have to be reminded by all the sins in your past. You can be free. It, it's all about what he does, not what we do. We receive it by faith. It's so good, it's hard to wrap our mind around it. But if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I want encourage you. I'm not asking if you know about God. Do you know that Jesus is real? And the way you perceive, the way you process, the way you understand that Jesus Christ is real and that He is the Son of God and that He is your Lord and Savior. If you don't, you can. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pray this short but powerful prayer with me from your heart mean it and watch what God will do say Heavenly Father I repent of all my sins I turn to you today I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now, look here. If you prayed that prayer, and you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. I meant business. I just got saved. Everybody stand. Just wave your hand so I can see who I was praying with. Would you do that? Thank you. God bless you. Second hand, third hand, fourth hand, fifth hand, sixth hand, seventh, eighth. Keep waving them. Hallelujah. All right, nine. God bless you. Anybody else? Ten to my far left. God bless you. Keep it up. Keep it up. Eleven over here. God bless you. Twelve in the very back. God bless you. Keep your hands. I want to speak a blessing over your life. Father, bless every person whose hands raised. We curse and bind the enemy that thought he had them. But today they're free. Today they're in a new family. Today they're blood washed. Today they are born again. Today, today they are part of the family of God. Today they're going to heaven. We thank you for that. And Father, I ask you to strengthen them with might according to your word. Strengthen them with might in their inner person by your Holy Spirit. Anybody who's been assigned to them from hell that, to distract them or delay them or deter them, we curse and bind that relationship connection. Remove those people out of their life and send the right people into their life that would encourage them in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.